Thank you for joining me on the Record Broker Podcast. This is the inaugural episode of Record Broker. A little bit about myself. I am an independent artist out of Austin, Texas. I have my DJ page on Mixcloud. I'm uh, going to do a little something different here. Uh, Record Broker. Why is it called Record Broker? Because I love, I'm a connoisseur of music. I give people what's hot right now or old and what's current. And, you know, I'm selling you the good stock. So therefore the broker. So that's how that works. Um, on this channel, we're going to talk about everything. So nothing is really off limits. Hide the kids if they don't like explicit content, because that's what we're about to get into. Uh, <laughs> my first guest is one of my dear good friends named Wayne. We talked about this for a very long time about, because yeah. we've uh, exchanged texts and emails. He used to be a coworker of mine. We talked about everything under the sun. And uh, what brought us together as friends is uh, sports and et cetera. And introducing Wayne, hailing from Dallas. What's up, Wayne? Hey, Marvin. How you doing, man? Thanks I'm for having me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How, how have things been? It's been a while since I've seen you. How's your world doing? Good, man. Growing, kids growing, career growing, you know. It's, uh, it's all part of the process, right? It's what we're supposed to do, isn't it? That is true. That's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to grow. If you don't grow, shit, I don't want to be around you. Yeah, but, man. But uh, I was going to clarify something. I, I think it was our frustration with the Cowboys that really <laughs> <laughs> set our friendship in motion there. Because, uh, yeah. you know, you being in Austin and me in Dallas, I was shocked to learn you were a fan. And that was, God, was that the Quincy Carter days? Drew Bledsoe uh, days? I was 2006. So was Romo starting at that time? Okay. 2006, uh, 2007. I think he probably just came he aboard. Just, at that he time. just came aboard, I think. Yeah. He was still wet behind the ears at the time, I think. Yeah. So, yeah, it was our frustration at that. But uh, why, why, did, why did you not think I was a Cowboys fan being from Austin? I, you know, I don't know. Uh, you, the, you're probably the first person that I talked to on a regular basis in that city and I didn't know you know if people don't know Austin is kind of between Houston and Dallas and mm -hmm. so if you live in Texas typically you're either you kind of gravitate to one or the other uh, Houston or uh, Houston or Dallas and it seems as though if you live in Dallas you hate people from Houston if you live in Houston you hate people from Dallas but if you're in Austin what is it? Everybody's just okay. nice. Everybody's just nice to each other. So, yeah. um, so I didn't know. I didn't know if you were a Texas fan or, uh, you know, or whatnot. So hearing that you're a Cowboy fan and both of our dads were huge Cowboy fans. I yeah, mean, yeah. just yeah. all I needed yeah. to know then. Yeah, yeah. So in, in Austin, it really, it just fluctuates between, it's really, it's UT on, on everything, whether basketball or football. And then it's the, the Cowboys. But I think the Cowboys have a little bit of an edge, maybe about like 2%. Mm. But um, it's it's the Cowboys here. Then there's sprinkles of everyone else. I'd probably say like there's just little, little dots of people in between that gap between Dallas, UT, and the Texans. Because people okay. are still pissed at Jerry Jones for um, 
buying the team and firing Tom Landry and so right. Oilers moved and then you got uh, the Texans up in there. So since we're on that subject, let's go ahead and move into that. Sure. And so that's our that's our first common bond. I feel the football season has has gotten to off of a, a very strange start. This is the most ties I've ever seen, and it's odd that um, the Patriots aren't dominating, even with statistically they have kind of a um, an easy schedule. Mm-hmm. You know, I think the the Jaguars got at them, and that was their little moral victory for for last year. But we'll see how things turn out. You can never count the Patriots out. Um, because they're just they are very well put together. They play the most intelligent football. You you can't count Brady out. Yeah. Um I'm happy for the Browns that they've that they're on a roll. Um they got their two wins in. That is much needed. <laughs> I'm a but I'm a I'm a Cowboys fan for life and everything, but I I don't like seeing poor football. Sure. I, I I hate I hate seeing I kinda hate seeing a blowout. Unless it's our team delivering it, so yeah, exactly. It, yeah, I hate there. I hate seeing bad football. Like even even the Giants, forget the Giants and everything, but they just got smoked last night. But the only reason why the Eagles won is because they were playing the Giants. So <laughs> it, that's that's really it. I mean, Carson Wentz got his arm and everything, but I just I think the NFC fluctuates with their with their champion, with their contender. And I think just last year it was the Eagles' time. That's yeah. How I, yeah, you know, they had, had a lot of good momentum on their end. And uh, it's amazing what they were able to accomplish with the backup quarterback and uh, Nick Foles. And, of course, you know, we hate the Eagles, but there's just not much that we could do to stop that, uh, that path that they were on. But going back to the Patriots about what you said, I think there's a thing called success fatigue. I mean, when you win so much and you're in the playoffs, year after year after year, that starts to wear on you. Like, you know, I think I saw some stats about the Golden State Warriors and how much basketball they've played, and even LeBron James and, you know, these teams that consistently make it to the division rounds and the conference finals every year and how much more minutes they're putting on the court, on the field every single year. Yeah. And so – not only that, this take a, it takes a physical toll, but I think emotional too. I think a lot of times you have a lot of success on the field with the team and, you know, it might take a reality check to kind of get you, I guess, back grounded again because you're mm-hmm. used to just kind of just winning and it's just part of the culture at yeah, that point. Yeah. And yeah. so, you know, I think to your point, the Jaguars might be that reality check to the Patriots and they'll, uh, get their stuff together and back being the, go back to being the Patriots that we all know. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. One of my, one of my other friends is uh, from Connecticut and spent time in Boston. So he's a huge um, New England fan. And he, I remember him telling me this exact same thing a year ago that he says the Belichick, he says that Belichick treats September like it's still the preseason. Oh, that's and interesting. I'm like, hmm. That's interesting because, I mean, you think about last year, the fir- the very first game they had last year, Kansas City smoked them. Yeah. And everyone was like, oh, Alex Smith, like, what, what is he going to do? <laughs> and he had five touchdowns. Right. He had, I think, I think he had about five or four. And Tariq Hill and Kareem Hunt just, it was the rookie season and they showed out. It was like, what's going on here? 
And then what happened? They went to the Super Bowl again. New England's in the Super Bowl again. Yeah. So, I mean, I can see it kind of like a Mayweather thing. And I agree with you saying like success fatigue because I look at like how much longer can the Warriors keep that team together, which they probably got like one or two more seasons to go to do that. Yeah, before uh, everybody's out getting contracts. Yeah, get their money. Everyone wants everyone wants three hundred million. No, uh, like uh, uh, what's his name? Durant's gonna want the the, yep. the bank broken on him, and you can't have him and uh, Curry on the same team anymore. So it's gonna go to somebody else. Maybe they'll do it with less. Um, I think about with LeBron as hard as he works, and he makes crappy teams look like champs. Yep. And such. Uh, I mean, yeah, I, I agree. Brady being 41 and how much longer can he do it with enduring those hits? Although he has an amazing uh, regiment for working out. And I got his book and I've started working out kind of like him. Really? Was, yeah. I Give me some I, of those details. What, like, what, what do you do and what, what, is, what are you mimicking that he does? Okay, so I, um, with my girlfriend, my lovely girlfriend Tracy, being a nutritionist and a personal trainer, she has so, she has an encyclopedia of so many things to do, but I've never been a, a really a weights guy. I've lifted weights in the past and it never did much for me. It gave me a little bit of bulk, but mm-hmm. it never made me look like an action figure or anything like that. <laughs> It never made me that like, damn, what do you do type of guy. And I always hated being skinny. But Mm. the thing that Brady does, he says he does maybe about 10% of weights for his workout. And the rest um, is resistance bands and just doing these little drills for football. Really? Yeah, that's what he does. And you know what? And I got resistance bands. And so he says that it doesn't, you know, wear on your joints Although clearly weights works for a lot of people, mm-hmm. but he talks about, you know, we, we want to give you the most optimal workout for yourself. And these and resistance bands also kind of stretch and heal your muscles at the same time. And I think like in the, um, in the beginning of the book, he speaks about how you'll see a lot of senior citizens in these uh, workouts in the pool when they're doing the resistance bands. Right. Yeah. You know, I've yeah, seen that. Yeah, yeah, because, you know, at their age, 60, 70, or 70 and above, they're not going to lift weights because they can't do that anymore because it's wearing down their joints. You're more prone to um, arthritis and et cetera, and they're doing that in the in the water, in the pool. That's even extra resistance and um, weight you got to push off your body. And he's saying, don't you think they know something that we don't? Hmm. And I was like, that's a very good point. So for me... My workout is I've started to do a lot of um, body weight exercises, pull-ups, push-ups, crunches, and doing those certain exercises with resistance bands and no weights. I don't lift weights anymore, and I've been boxing going on three years now, so that's my – I'll shadow box and I'll hit a bag, and apparently that's bad for your joints if you're hitting a bag, so there's always shadow boxing in there. And so that's what I've been doing and changing my diet up a lot, low carb, not a lot of sugar. I, I got one of these hydro flasks that's uh, about a 30 ounce or 20 ounce or something, whatever. I go through these all day long. So soft drinks and alcohol has been cut out a lot out of my diet. But oh, and Brady, one of the other uh, great things about him is that there's this app that you ought to check out 
they're not paying us for a sponsorship, but I'll say it anyways. Um, <laughs> it's called Brain IQ, um, and it's it's a uh, brain games for you to keep your focus. And I remember when TV Twelve first came about, once this book came out, I was looking on his website, and there was a a specific game that was uh, as if you were a quarterback, and it will show your receivers out in the field, and it just do like a quick two second flash, and it'll really. Ask you, yeah, it'll ask you to spot where you saw those receivers. So it's just a quick memory game, like a little puzzle. Wow. Uh, keep your cognitive aware. And that's a really good game. That's what I've started to do. I've also added, um, also along with, I've always uh, believed in God and praying. I've added meditation mm. uh, to my, uh, yeah, yeah, to my regimen. And man, I did that. I did that on Monday. Uh, I had the best nap afterwards. I just, I felt so at peace and calm just being stressed out. I've added that. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's it, amazing growing up. You know, I, I preach mental health to a lot of people and the, the importance of it. And it's kind of fascinating. You know, we're in our thirties and uh-huh. I, I just, we grew up learning how to, you know, do, do, do to do physical education and uh-huh. uh, how to, kind of train your body of course science changes but I, we just never had anyone to tell us that you know you can also train your brain there's certain yeah. things that you can do to help decompress help relieve stress mm-hmm. and help mitigate a lot of the things that happen uh just throughout life so yeah yeah i mean so when i hear about meditation i'm always like yes good for you it's awesome yeah it, it is um I think that um, I was thinking about this when I was talking to my, my girlfriend, Tracy. I was thinking about, you know, what are the strengths that I want to focus on or things that I feel people should be. And that's, you know, your strength with your mental, your physical, your nutrition, and your love relationship. And there was a fifth one that I, I, I guess, yeah, it would be spiritual. If you're into spirituality, if you're mm. religion and such, but just keeping your mind, keeping your mind right. I just think all those things are very, are very important. 100%. And, uh, yeah, you got you got to have that focus. But yeah, it back in the day it was just all um just brute brute mentality of uh mm-hmm. being physically fit and such, but you know, and us men being kind of stubborn like, "Oh, I don't want to go to the doctor, but fool oh, you should." Yeah. You know, it, it's important. It, it's important to do that and to keep your mind right. Men think it's uh uh soft to cry and everything. I hate crying myself, but you know, you your your mind is is a very very powerful uh, uh, organ in the, in your body. I mean, it's everything yeah. is, but having your mind right definitely uh, that that's that's definitely important. But Brady, what he does for a workout, I can and from doing resistance bands, I don't feel heavy. I don't feel so bulky. It has definitely put muscle on my body. Mm-hmm. And I feel a lot more elusive and I don't feel stiff. Like, you know, you got to get a massage afterwards if you lift weights and such. I, I think his workout is amazing. And when he will peak, I guess it's just maybe it'll take a very good hit on him or something. Or I think he'll just decide, like, you know, I got my sixth ring. I'm 43, I'm 42, whatever. And he'll sell off to the sunset and... I think like he said, he said he wants to have like a brand like Jordan. He wants to, he wants to have TB12 like Jordan. I think what he wants to do is like have his, his type of regiment licensed to the entire NFL. 
And if he does that shit, man. That's interesting. I haven't heard that, actually. Like, when he said the branding thing, I was like, eh, it's tough to compete with Jordan and what he that has. But but you, if you're talking about, like, the scope of a workout and a diet and kind of like a, a method or a way of life, that now that's yeah. interesting. That okay. doesn't really exist. Yeah, a rumor is is that I think he's going to play a hand in trying to figure out the concussions in the NFL. Ooh. And I, I read that article about him talking about, you know, what I want to do post-retirement is, you know, be like my idol, Jordan, with my own brand. And mm. so we'll see how that goes. But, you know, long, long story. That was a very long story as we were talking about Brady. But um, I, I think, he, I mean, the season's long. Anything can happen any given Sunday. It, it's it's very long. Yeah, man. Um, it seems like before, something clicks with those people when, uh, when it's time. It's like yeah. all of a sudden, you know, we saw it. Kind of with, well, I don't know if we saw it with Romo. This situation was a little different. But with yeah. Witten and other guys, it's just all of a sudden they say, yeah, I'm done. I'm not going back. Yeah, yeah. Or, or the Bills player. The Bills player that retired at oh, halftime. Yeah. Monte <laughs> Davis. I mean. All, I mean, all credit to those guys for putting their life on the line. But just from watching him on Hard Knocks when it was in uh, Miami, he just seemed a little immature to me. Really? To me, he just seemed like, I don't know, like he was a hell of an athlete, but just didn't make like the right decisions or so. Yeah. I, I don't know, man. I, but that was, if, if it, you want to call it quits, man, I think you should finish the game, homie. Don't be, a, <laughs> don't be one player down and just like, man, forget this. I'm going, I'm going home. That's, I think that is a little bit out of line, man. That's man. a little bit out of line. Yeah, yeah. I, I'd be upset if I was the teammate and really confused at that. I would have loved to have been in the locker room to see his face and to see everyone else's face when he said, yeah, I'm done. I'm not going back. I'm sure most people thought it was a joke. I'm sure. I'm sure. I think, you know, that feels kind of like, you know, in grade school when – you're like, no, I don't want to play anymore or something like someone just has. Yeah, things aren't going your way and you say, oh, I yeah. quit. And you throw a temper yeah, tantrum. Yeah. yeah, it is. It is. It's, it, there's little temper tantrums that, that keep going on. And uh, I just think, I mean, you're getting paid a lot of money, my man. And uh, you, there's a team relying on you. You're relying on the team. It's a team effort. And you just quit like that at halftime. Uh, man, yeah. well. Good luck to him and his. I hope he saved his money. Yeah, just like everyone else in the league. But um, as we've been talking over the past since last Sunday, um, with our boys, with uh, mm. fourth and one, and I think, and I, my brother brought up a good point of this as we were watching the game when Dak threw that hail mary. If you look to his right, he had three receivers that he could have thrown the ball to and they could have gotten out of bounds with like two seconds left on the clock. And this new kicker that they got, the, this Canadian sensation that's hit a 62 yarder. <laughs> yeah. They could have iced the game right there. But the fourth and one thing, what I was telling you about over the phone is that um, think about it being an overtime. And if that were the Super Bowl, would you, would you punt the ball away? Would you punt the ball away? Would yeah. you want your coach to say, "Okay, our defense, although I agree, defense was keeping the keeping them alive. They're keeping the game even. But if it's fourth and one on their own forty-two, and it was really like fourth 
in less than one, yeah. as he said, a long one. But they, uh, you show me that video, they were inside the one. Right. You got the number one rusher. You got yep. a, a very good offensive line. You got three On the highest weapons. paid. Yeah, and the highest paid. And you got about three to four weapons that could have you could have tossed the ball to a trick play in your bag to get that one yard line. He didn't trust Linehan. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly, right. If that had been the Super Bowl, I mean, I would have, I would have lost my mind if I was Jerry Jones. Because yeah. no yeah. way. I think, I think every coach in the league should say, okay, what would Bill Belichick do right now? Mm. You think he would have punted it away to Atlanta, even though they came back twenty-eight to three and made the game even? Yeah, there's no way I would have done that, man. I would have shoved the ball down the throat. Yeah, there, there's there's something to that. There's something about you know empowering your offense, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And I think momentum plays a huge part in that. And kicking the ball away, I think, puts the momentum back on the other team because now they're amped up. Like, all right, boys, we got the ball. Let's go. Let's do this. Yeah. Let's you know everybody, every quarterback. What do they do? Like if in basketball. You, you're in your driveway, three, two, one, mm-hmm. you shoot. Yeah. If you grew up a quarterback, this is your dream, to lead your mm-hmm. team down the field to score and win the game. That's so I, I think you lose momentum there by kicking it away. You know, with the flow of the game, I, you're right. Like defense was really making plays and our offense had stalled out, but I, just, I think you roll the dice there and go. And I think I saw mm-hmm. a clip. Was it last year or the year before where it was kind of a similar situation? And you could read Garrett's lips, and he said, we're going to win the game right here. Let's go for it. So, and they did. That's exactly what happened. They went for it on a fourth and one or two, whatever it was, ended up winning the game. So, I, I, I don't know. You know, we'll never know, like, what was really in his head. You know, he doesn't let the media and other people uh, in like that. So, but but I really wish I had known what uh, what, what he was thinking then, and maybe it was just you know he just it was a simple math. He does he, tend to operate like a robot from time to time. He's like, well, <laughs> you know, yeah. if we lose it, they go twenty yards. They're in field goal range. But if we, uh, you know, if we punt it away, they have to go fifty yards or sixty yards. You know, whatever it might be. So, right. eight yeah. and eight, man. I told you uh, from the beginning uh, of this year. Eight and I'm, eight. Starting, I'm starting to believe that. And I hope that if they go eight and eight or less or better, I'm hoping this will be Jason's last year. I feel Jerry, I felt Jerry's frustration after that game. It's like, you got to take some risk. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's a, it's a very, everything's a calculated risk when, you, when it's a game of inches and such. But, you know, you're not playing the play, you're playing the win. Yeah, that's and, right. You know, it's overtime. You're, I mean, you can you can make it, man. You can make that four and one. You can make it. So my feeling, and I know you're feeling for a while. We both talked about how people of Dallas have called him Red Jesus or whatever. That that's insulting. Man, I haven't heard that in years up here. Oh, okay. Well, I'm glad that's gone. <laughs> that's gone, man. <laughs> no, no, glad- not not really. Anybody feels that way anymore. Well, I'm glad that that's gone, but um. I feel that uh, it's time to move on from him and get um, a new type of fuel for for this engine with this team. Like I was, I was very, very impressed with the Rams last year. I thought mm-hmm. they were the the best team 
I think the playoff experience kind of got to them with Jared Goff, but they were still very impressive. And um, I feel that their next, um, their next in line, I feel should be Chris Richard. Um, if they want to, Jerry keeps on comparing the Cowboys to the Rams. Then I think he needs to model himself after that. I, I was thinking about how they had such a, a, a quick turnover from Fisher to McVay. And even yeah. with Pete Carroll for a, a little bit after he was the Seahawks coach, when they got Russell Wilson, the Legion of uh, Boom became mm-hmm. became uh, a, a, a very force to be reckoned with because I remember uh, Richard Sherman was covering Dez in the early years and Dez just blew him out. Yeah. It, was, it was nothing. But then once Russell Wilson came along, they changed their jerseys. They changed their attitude. Yep. It was a whole new mentality, a whole new swagger. And everyone was like, oh, look out for these motherfuckers, man. They are they are some bad cats. That dude, that short little dude throwing it way down the field, and it's just not a game. He need, I think he needs someone like Chris Richard. I think uh, Nathaniel Hackett, the, the offensive coordinator for the Jaguars and the defensive coordinator, are probably going to be um, – hot commodities in the league. I think there's going to be possibly a, up to about 11 openings once the season is over and for, for head coaching. Yeah. And I would not want to play against Chris Richard because he could, I feel that man, even the, the giants are going to get a new coach and the Redskins too, potentially. Yeah. Uh, man, up here, the feeling is that Jerry really, really wants this to work with Garrett because of the story. Cause he was a backup mm-hmm. quarterback, a lifer with the Cowboys he, you know, and he's he's not the outspoken coach like Parcells, and you know he kind of falls in line, I guess mm-hmm. if you will, uh, to media perceptions and and kind of plays that role that Jerry likes. So yeah. I, I don't know unless unless Jerry's embarrassed or he has a huge name that he can make a splash with to replace him. I don't I don't I don't know if he's going anywhere. I, I heard the name uh, Lincoln Riley. As the head coach over at Oklahoma. Yeah, I've heard that, about that. That would be a heck of a splash to make is what he's been able to do with that program as a young coach, kind of that Sean McVay style, uh, you know, intuitive and uh, just very cerebral. That would be interesting. But, man, I'm not – I don't know. I, so, I, I, I don't know if I'm apathetic at this point because <laughs> I'm just resigned yeah. that they're going to be eight and eight. Uh, Jason's going to stay and nothing's going to change. And we're just on this train, uh, this, the treadmill of mediocrity. Yeah. So was, was that um, Baker Mayfield's coach? Yeah. Okay. So Will Kane was talking about that on ESPN. So they feel he was having a theory that if Hugh Jackson gets fired, that's who the Browns are going to get. Ooh. But would you, would you do it? Would you go live in Cleveland? To go and coach your former quarterback. Do you love him that much? I think so. I mean, I, I'm damn sure I can get a, a bomb-ass house and a personal chef. <laughs> I mean... It's cold up there, man. It is cold. It is ice cold up there. But, I mean, I think the... No disrespect, but I think the only place I wouldn't live is Detroit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, Detroit's very... Uh, it's abandoned and royal and you know, God bless them and everything, but I, I don't think I can do that. But I, I'll live anywhere else that yeah. has out of all the 32 teams in the NFL. But 
You'll make I'm, it work if the opportunity is there. I'll I'll make it. Yeah, give me give me that nice check. Give yeah. me that nice check, and I'll I'll make it work. And I think that um, I think they should honestly give Hugh Jackson another chance. I mean, it's it is definitely not a two year, three year out deal. You're dealing yeah. with the Browns. Yeah, man, this is the first time he's had kind of a decent team, a decent yeah. quarterback at least, somebody that people actually have some good faith in. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, I'm kind of with you there. I think they'll give him a chance, but I, yeah, we'll see how the rest of the season goes. Yeah, I think their their GM is um is the right GM, and um, he's made some amazing moves. That I mean, that's that that's a uh, whoa that he got that cast to come to to Cleveland. Yeah, that's incredible. that's pretty that's that's incredible work there. That's a he should get an award for that, executive of the year for some some shit like that. Um. I think uh, the the definitely the early MVP, and I hope he keeps his stride. Is uh, Mahomes? Oh, oh, yeah, of course. That, guy, uh, that guy's incredible. I think the yeah he is. I think the MVP spot for him, it's his to lose and his to win. I don't see mm-hmm. anybody else taking it taking it from him. I don't even know who the hell's a runner up. That's a good point. That, that's what I I don't even know who's who else is. Well, I guess you could say Drew Brees. Yeah, he's had a great year. Okay, Drew Brees. So, um, I think it's between the two of them. But I think, uh, I mean, it might be a co thing. But as of right now, Patrick Mahomes is. I look forward to, uh, to watching seeing him the, on Sundays. Yeah, Sunday against yeah. Um, against New England. Stephen A. Smith was saying that um, your boy a few weeks ago. Yeah, my boy. I love him now, <laughs> punk. But. Um, <laughs> I mean, he's a cl- he's a classic hater, but you know, I think he has to play that role. But yeah, um, that's that's a whole that's a whole other discussion. Yeah, it is. I think he has to play that role. Yeah. But um, he was saying, you know, let's look at his schedule. Like, if he does, if he sets it off against the Jaguars, then we really got something. And look what happened. Mm-hmm. So you got that, and then here's his ultimate test because Brady is. The greatest of all time. Go. He doesn't need he doesn't need my approval, but he is. Um, so you got the greatest of all time enshrined quarterback going to Canton. It doesn't even matter. He has nothing else left to prove versus the future. If the future looks like Patrick Mahomes, I am all in on the NFL. And I mean, even if this if he gets this regular season win that means something or it could not mean something that could be, this could definitely be the AFC championship game. And yeah. I think, I think that with that type of offense, even with what they did last year with Alex Smith, but with this new type of energy with Mahomes, this is something else. Yeah. I mean, he's been Next incredible. Uh, he, he seems to, he seems to be that Madden player that you just kind of create yep. in your own image. That's fast. That's accurate. That can uh, uh, make good reactions. Did you see that bootleg? It wasn't even a bootleg, but it was a scramble. And he scrambled out to the left, and he couldn't throw from his right arm, so he switched hands and threw yeah. it with his off hand. Yes. I mean, come on. That's an athlete. Yeah. That's a. That is like he's he's like um, if he were a little bit bigger, he would be like a I think even more of a even even more athletic than Cam 
Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. And a, a better, and a, with a way better accuracy. Yeah, he's like a. I think he's like a more of a a classic a classic a pocket passer mixed with a little bit of Michael Vick. It's just the the slinging arm that he has is just it's just unreal. Yeah, man, it's his, just unreal. His accuracy on the run and even like you said in the pocket has been. He's put the ball in some seriously tight windows. Yeah, he has. He he absolutely has. Which which leads to my next thing. So last year, our boy Dak was, um, in terms of getting the ball in the tight windows, he was number one. Mm. And so that's that's fascinating. And what's also fascinating is like, even though he had a sophomore slump, he had the cliche sophomore slump. He was the number fourth rated quarterback last year. Which blows my mind as yeah. the Hattles touchdown and interception ratio went down. Both. You know, you know, I don't know. A couple, there's a couple things I think about this. Uh, for one, I think that the longer you're in the league, the more people have film on you. Uh, the more you know, yeah. they can kind of pick apart from a data set what your tendencies are, where you like to go, where you like to roll, what you do in certain situations. So I always kind of thought that it might not be as great as it was that one year, but I was cautiously optimistic. However, if there's one thing the Cowboys are horrible at, it's making adjustments. So if, if that is the case, that people are now, uh, you know, putting a spy on him or making sure he can't throw to a safety net or whatever it might be, how are we adjusting? We how are the Cowboys adjusting to that? Like, what are they doing to enable him for success for the next game and uh, the games thereafter? And then I saw this really interesting stat. Dak's one of the quickest people to make the decision to run and get out the pocket. And so I can't, I can't remember the team, but do you remember that game where he got sacked last year like eight times? Atlanta. I'm sorry? Atlanta. Atlanta, that's it. It was the Falcons. Yeah, it was a ridiculous thing. I saw some stats that he has not been the same since that game. And he, he has been more tempted to roll out of the pocket quicker since that game. And, you know, I said it, and we talked about that then, that the Cowboys betrayed him by leaving him out there and letting him just get pancake time after time not making yeah. any adjustments at all not yeah. putting extra blockers on the yeah. line or in the pocket yeah. it was it was yeah. it was juvenile to it see was. to see it that was. happen it was unbelievable that was uh, unfair it was unfair it was unfair absolutely and i don't think he's been right since so i think his confidence is shaken as well and i think he has a little bit of that that tiptoe syndrome of oh oh somebody's coming somebody's coming possibly it, you know, so I don't know, man. I, you know, I'm with you. I pull for the guy, but I just – I don't think he has a good – good not supporting cast. I mean, from a coaching standpoint, I don't – from a coaching standpoint, I don't think he has the right support that he No, needs. no, no. He, he doesn't – I think his – a little bit of it is on him. Let's be real about that. His accuracy, I think he needs a better throwing motion. Um, I remember I used to be in this one shitty job years ago in sales, and I had the worst manager, this dude that just needed to retire. And when I was working in this certain areas outside of the state, he took away two of my best sales reps 
and mm-hmm. I feel like this is Dak. Like he has no Dez, and he doesn't, point. Have, he doesn't have Witten. All he has left is Zeke and Cole. And Cole yeah. being small, people can shut him out a little bit, and they know that's his favorite target, so they're going to cover him up. Yeah. And he's replaced. Yeah, no other threats. And Dez and Witten are replaced with Swain, with yeah. uh, the other tight end, with Alan Hearns, with yeah. Thompson, and with Davis. You got five people to replace two very big targets and people that across the league are like, watch out for that one, watch out for that one, even though we can't cover them. They're always going to make a play. So yeah. it's his coaching and he doesn't have that down the field threat to throw to. I just, I, I think that that's, that's his issue that that's his coaching is his issue. A piece of it is his mechanics. I, I don't trust uh, Kellen Moore to be his damn quarterbacks coach. I mean, come yeah, on, that's a weird for one crying out, for crying out loud, man. Don't yeah. be cheap. You don't be cheap. Don't yeah. be cheap about that. And don't, and don't blackball his career. You know, I think, I, I feel that what they should do is get a new head coach. Forget giving Jason a new uh, a new contract or a pass or anything like that. Well, we didn't have Dez or Witten, so we'll let that pass. But you gotta you gotta give someone for the for a Dak to actually throw to, and um, that's that's just really gonna make the difference. I think they'll give him a franchise tag, and they'll really see what he's about the following year. Yeah. And whether it'll give him a, a long-term thing. I don't think they need to break the bank for him yet. Um, I wouldn't give put him in the $100 million contract. No way. No, don't do that for him. Get, give him about guaranteed. If Blake Bortles got guaranteed $50 million, he can definitely get $55. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> give him that much guaranteed or so. But don't give him 120 and he's getting 70 Yeah, Not- yeah. I really want to know the um... – the relationship between Scott Lanahan and, and Jason Garrett, because it seems like Garrett's really hanging his hat and his career with Scott Linehan. I remember a long time ago, you know, when he was, or at least up here, the Red Jesus, he was calling the plays, but oh. he was a horrible game manager. You know, we would we'd be screaming from our couch, call timeout, call timeout, yeah. you know, or why didn't you do this? Well, he's, he's worried about the next play. And, you know, I heard about – or maybe I saw it somewhere, but he went down to Miami and the, or in the Keys to meet with Jimmy Johnson. And Jimmy mm-hmm. Johnson told him, save your job, give up play calling and save your job. Yeah. And he did. And so, you know, at that time when all that was happening, Romo had some years under his belt. Do you remember all the times he went under, under center and he said, kill, kill, kill? Yeah. He's audibling out of these crappy play calls that Scott Linehan is calling. Yeah. And so he had the savvy and the knowledge and the experience to be able to go, ah, no, this is crap. I think we're going to do this. I mean, even the catch, you know, that happened up in Green Bay yeah. with yeah. that. That was an horrible. Oh, uh, really? Yeah, that wasn't the play that was called. Oh, but, okay. but, 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 you know, uh, Romo saw, okay, single safety up. Dez is one-on-one with this corner. I'm going to throw it up to him. He's going to make this play because that's what he does. He's an athlete. He's a tremendous athlete. And so he audible out of whatever call it was and made that, made that call. And, you know, Dak doesn't necessarily have that, that knowledge yet to, uh, to make those sort of calls. And 
don't know, it worries me that he'll never really get that chance if the, if it keeps going the way it's going now. Yeah, I, I that's that's why I say it's like I think you're carrying on. How long was Romo there for? Ten years as a starter. Seems like it. Yeah, nine He's, years or so. Yeah, seems like a long I, I time. I think carrying carrying on from Jason Garrett starting when Romo was a starter into now a new era a decade later with another quarterback. How much longer are you going to be the court be the um, head coach? for this quarterback and you're not coaching him up to his, to his potential, you know, it's, I think that's, that's really going to waste the 53 man rosters uh, time. Mm -hmm. You know, I think it's just so mediocre for for them to keep him around. And even if think about it, they get rid of Dak and they get someone else and it doesn't work with that. Who is it really? Whose fault is it? It's the, it's the coaching. It's just, um, it's time to make to make that change because they're coming predictable. It's like yep. really, it's like Zeke is the team right now. Zeke yeah. is the team. Yeah, that's that's their identity. It's their only identity. It it is. You know, they need about they need a few more Zeeks on that offense. Oh man, I don't know. Eight and eight, dude. <laughs> that's, yeah. Uh, and then that's the thing. It's like, do you even pull for eight and eight? Because do you do you want them to go, uh, you know, like a four and twelve or something like that to to embarrass Jerry and force him to really make a change, because he can get away with going, ah, you know, this season we had some injuries and we're gonna give him another chance. Uh, I, I I don't know, man. I think this, I think no matter what, he's just got to change unless some miracle happens. I I really honestly don't want them to win win anything huge with Jason Garrett. <laughs> I'll give I'll give him credit for maybe two or three years out of out of being with the team, but now man just 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 call it a rat man. I think I think the I think he'll get another job somewhere in the NFL. Um he'll probably either be the coordinator or the head coach of Tampa Bay next year. Man, he's been very unremarkable since he got here. Yeah, it's it's uh, there's been a few times where he definitely had some some flash, but overall, man, it's it's just it's over. It's, yeah. it's just a wrap. It's simply just a wrap. Yeah, I yeah. think so, man. Cowboys. Yeah, they'll they'll get it somehow. Hey, let me let me ask you: Are you still um, in the the business of building uh, uh, tables and such? Every now and then, every now and then, you know, for people that obviously no one knows, but my wife and I moved into a house up in the suburbs of uh, North Dallas. And it was, you know, I mean, I guess it's still a big deal that the the fixer upper boom was happening and everybody wanted those restoration style, pottery barn style tables, which are like five grand. And so, you know, I mean, I'm a guy, so. If I moved into a house, there'd be nothing on the wall. There'd be a TV, <laughs> a couch, maybe a little coffee table or something like that, you know. So I, I leave the decorating and everything else up to her. But she wanted one of these tables. And so, but we, we both agreed that that much money for a table is kind of outrageous. We just didn't want to pay yeah. that much for a table. So I, um, I said, well, maybe I can build one. Yeah. She, she laughed at me. Straight up uh-huh. laughed, laughed in my face. I said, okay, challenge accepted. 
So <laughs> she uh, she sent me a couple pictures of some stuff that she liked. I borrowed a couple tools, found a little plan, and uh, built our dining table and built our breakfast table. And mm-hmm. so, you know, she was shocked. And that same year, we had two of our friends get married in Mexico uh, in October and November. It was going to cost us six grand, something crazy, something crazy to go. And I mean, we just didn't want to drain our bank accounts and max out credit cards and, you know, put all that debt on us. So we're trying to figure out another solution. Mm-hmm. And she said, well, maybe we can sell these tables if you make some more. And then I laughed at her. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, no one's going to buy this crap. You're crazy. And that's, mm-hmm. that's a whole other issue about, you know, my, myself and my own confidence and stuff. But yeah. uh, she built a website. I built a couple of tables and business boomed. I mean, What's the you know, website? Aspen Designs Texas. Or it's Aspen Designs TX. Okay, great. But um, yeah, business took off, and you know, we both have other jobs. So you know, my wife's a school counselor. Uh, I worked in compensation for a while. Now I'm a I'm a success manager. So when I would build this was uh, during the weekends, or um, I come home from work. Mm-hmm. Uh, but nowadays with two kids, you know, we've kind of slow down pushing advertisement out there mm-hmm. so to speak because it does take a little bit of time away from the family right right but um yeah but i still build every now and then if it's something That's... interesting something unique something for a friend you know yeah. i'll be happy to you know get my hands dirty again it's just setting expectations on uh deliverables yeah, and time because right, right. there was a there's a period there where we would have, you know, six builds due in a month, Oof. you know, and that you're talking space, you know, logistics mm-hmm. as well. You know, I have my tools of shops in the garage, but you know, how, how much, how much inventory can we really hold? Right, you know, right. so we had some logistical, logistical challenge challenges uh, to that many builds, but it's fun, man. I, I enjoy it. It's a good, we talked about mental health. You know, that's something that I enjoy. It takes a little stress out of my day and uh, just to go out and create, I'm sure it's the same for you with creating music. Yeah, it is. It is. That's um, it, it does take music. Definitely takes me to an entirely different place. So I feel at home with it. There's no, it's no judgment on anything. Well, there will be later, obviously, but to me, <laughs> in, the, in the pro in the process of making it, it's it's definitely it's your craft. So you know, the artists, you being an artist with crafting tables and et cetera, um, it's just you and and the art, and that's it. So you know, I I, I say fuck them whether they like it or not. I'm still gonna do it. I'm gonna do it, <laughs> and that, that's really it. I mean, that's that's all there is to it. Do yeah. you see um, Aspen Designs going bigger? Like once they're once the kids are grown, like when Aspen's ten and and Little Wayne mm-hmm. is um, is a little bit under that. Yeah. Time for that. Yeah. So that, that's that's yeah. So that's that's an interesting thing that my wife and I talk about. Um, 
I'm definitely open to it. The one thing I'd never want to do is push them into something or force them to do stuff that they don't want to do. I feel like they would lose the genuine love of it. And right now, my daughter actually loves going out into the garage with me and working mm-hmm. on builds, whether it's holding a nail or a screw <laughs> or uh, doing the, you know, drilling herself. She loves being out there, and I welcome it. Mm-hmm. You know, my wife's like, is she going to step on a nail or all oh, the machines are loud? I'm like, no, 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 no. Like, she, she wants to be out here. She asks, where's daddy? And daddy's in the garage. She wants to come. I'll let her come. And uh, so I'm totally open to that. And I love the transfer of knowledge. I, I think the transfer of knowledge between two people or a team is, you know, it, it's irreplaceable. Like one yeah, person yeah. can be a superstar, but if that superstar can't transfer that knowledge to one other person, but one other superstar can transfer that knowledge to 10 other people, like what's going to be more powerful? So mm-hmm. I'd love to be able to share with her what I've learned in my uh, woodworking over the years. And hopefully she can develop a passion for it too. Cause it's, you know, it's, it's kind of cool. It's kind of fun and makes Christmas gifts a little you know, a, more of a unique experience. Yeah, yeah. I but um, I'm, I'm totally, totally open to both of them helping me out. And uh, there's actually, I have a friend of mine, there's certain tax benefits of having your kid work for you. So What? Yeah. <laughs> That's, that doesn't surprise me. I mean, the world yeah. is really, it's really strange. Well, yeah. we'll get, I, that's kind of leading to my next thing, but um uh so did you have prior experience with uh with building anything before that not really you know i I took a shop class in junior high which i'm kind of just blown away that they let us as 12 and 13 year olds in a room with power saws and power drills and these things that could easily cut off our fingers um i mean it, it speaks to just how different that our generation was and and I think also the teachers as well to have that kind of, cause he showed us and showed us the danger and how to work of work all the tools. But for the most part, he left us in that workshop. He was yeah. off teaching CAD or doing something else, but that was kind of my only experience. I've always had kind of a love of building and creating yeah. things and putting mm-hmm. things together. So, you know, when this opportunity came about uh, to create furniture, that's kind of why I jumped at it because I'm the guy that if somebody needs something put together and they don't want to, I'll happily do it. I'll look, I love doing it. You know, from box, from a box store, from Ikea, you know, whatever it might be, if you can't figure it out, I'm there to, you know, I'm not there, but I I love to help it. I love to help people out in that manner. So I kind of figured that out at a younger age. My parents said it was because I was the oldest and I had to learn because during Christmas, they were busy putting together my brother and sister's toys. And so I was kind of left as the oldest to kind of fend figure for myself out. and figure it out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, yeah. so I thought that was an interesting perspective because that could very well be true and where I get this from. That's, that's, I can see that. That's something you just developed as an early age and it's your, your need to try to the, the build something I, I think I have that way with um with sound I, I don't know what it, I guess my dad passed it down to me with just things sounding right even mm. this may sound strange but I, I hate when people get other people's names wrong oh it doesn't, it doesn't makes sound, cringe 
yeah, it's like that. That's not even if it's someone I well, I guess not particularly with people I hate. Fuck them. But you know, if you say someone's <laughs> name wrong, it's like just like the the sonic of it to me just drives me nuts. It's, mm. I know that sounds strange, but you know, for me as a as a musician, when I hear things, I like the way something's something's just sound in a, in a particular way. Like I hate I hate the phrase "good morning," but I love it in Spanish. Oh, that's interesting. So that that was actually my next question: is how do you feel about certain products that products that have that are here in America and sold here, but have like a French name or a Spanish name, like uh, like look, people like the that sparkling water. What is it? It's supposed to be, I think, Lacroix, but people uh, call yeah. it like Lacroix. Oh yeah, yeah. It, it, it's French. Yeah. I think I think it just kind of depends on on just to really just how it sounds. Like I said, it just it just depends. Like you, like uh, I think uh, what you call like uh, perfume and mm. and cologne in Europe is toilet. You know, they wow. have the labels. Yeah, they sure do. I never but thought we, about that. But we just call it cologne and perfume. It's a great point. But I, to me, that I mean, it's. Like toilet, it sounds kind of almost like it's exotic, a little bit. Huh. But yeah, it just it just really depends on on that on the sound itself. It's just it does make me cringe. I'm like, oh, I can't stand I can't stand the way you say such and such. Just don't don't even say it. Just say hi. Don't don't say good morning. <laughs> just say I, I hate that. Um, so speaking of sound, man, what are you working on? Are you working on anything right I, now? I am. How's Marv I, Instrumentals going? Uh, it is going. the The new name is for those out there listening. The new name is Original Pressing. Okay. It's a that's the new independent label name is Original Pressing. Um, I think that's a, a very cool name because think about the originality of music. Nothing comes before what you just wrote. You're right. You're starting from scratch. So that's mm. the originality of it. And going back to the authentic days of music where you printed vinyl. So okay. original pressing when you press vinyl. So that's the new name. Right now I am working on something that I hope to have out by April. And I feel like this is going to, I think the last two I made, I, I definitely love those two. Everyone, you can find me out on, on SoundCloud at Marv Kelly, K-E-L-L-E-Y. You can find me everywhere. Digital music is sold. Um, the last two were called Whiskey Crush and Obscure Crush. So peep those. If you love Dr. Dre, you will love the Whiskey Crush album because that's who it's dedicated to. It's his exact samples, and that's who inspired me to make beats. And so I, I dedicated it to him. It's like I, I'm a whiskey drinker, and the chronic, he loves weed, so I love whiskey. So that's how I named it Whiskey Crush. Makes perfect um, sense. It makes perfect sense. So uh, it's been four years since I made it. I just had to take like a, a mental break from from making music because it's, you know, if you think about kids on video games, they're stuck on a screen. Me making music, I'm stuck on the computer. Mm. So I had to take just a little mental break from it for a little bit, but still made some stuff here and there. The next one, but, uh, the one I'm making is rather kind of, complicated sound in terms of the sonic stuff to it. I really want this to be the most professionally sounding one. I hope to have it mastered in, um, in New York at this particular mastering studio. The guy that I had 
um, that was going to master this particular album, he actually passed away last year. Oh man! And um, he actually has mastered a lot of great albums, D'Angelo's Voodoo, and uh, he won a Grammy uh, for Adele's last two albums. Wow. So, but he passed last year. Um, rest in peace to Tom. But uh, there's this other master master um, engineer that's in the same studio. I can't remember exactly what he what he did. I think he did a uh, Bruno Mars or um, uh, Mark Ronson's album as well. So these are very top tier dudes, but they they will, um, they have some pretty good rates. They have some high end rates and some good rates. If I if I go to the studio with them or if I mail it out to them, either way, it'll, it'll work out. But I want this the one that this one to be as absolutely um, sounding just incredible as as much as I can get it there. I, I can master a little bit, but I don't have that two hundred thousand dollar studio in my house. I just have a plug-in, which is a very good plug-in, but the the mastering level that they're on is I, I'm not I'm not there. I'm not there. So I, I want it to be. I want it to be incredible. I don't know if you uh, saw the post on Instagram or not, but the, the title of it is called Back in the Future. Back in the Future. Back in the Future. Wow. Back in the Future. I like that. Yeah, yeah. It, it came to me one day. I, I, swear, <laughs> I swear I was about to name it Back to the Future, but it made sense in terms of calling it Back in the Future. I don't want to spoil it for you, but there's this, this, uh, the way I'm recording it, um, obviously it's going to be an all instrumental again, but there's going to be someone narrating the story and it's really, yeah, yeah. It's going to be a narration. I'll give you that. There's going to be a narration, um, throughout the, throughout the album. And it's going to, there's a metaphor as to why it's called back in the future. It's not artsy or anything like that. And even if it was, that'd be okay. But sometimes I just don't like going that route. But there's a reason why it's called that. And there's a narration and a, a metaphor uh, behind the reason why it's called that. But it's uh, so far, it's it's going well. I, I love what's um, coming together. I, you know, I'm on a very kind of a crunch time uh, schedule of getting it done. But it's coming together slowly. I just got to remind myself to make it every single day. Mm -hmm. um, but it's it's coming along very it's coming along very well. Nice very, man, that's exciting. Happy yeah. for you. Yeah, thank you, man. It's it's gonna be it's gonna be a good one. It's probably gonna be the, the best as of yet. But it's uh, I might even print vinyl, but that shit is so expensive to, to print. Like a hundred of them is like almost three grand to print. Uh, but, for um, a, for a hundred, it's three yeah. grand. Yeah, close to it. Close to oh. it. That's why vinyl is so expensive. Like you, people make almost like thirty bucks each or so. But um, vinyl is actually it's still selling. It's I'm I'm happy it, it sells. Uh, but you know it's always the cheaper route of going digital. And um, a, a big victory in the music, the music industry that happened yesterday was the uh, Music uh, Modernization Act. I think the uh, the amount of what artists, producers, songwriters, and executives get paid from the streaming services and the download services. The rates are going up, or I think what's included in that is that everyone gets paid, because at a time, engineers only just got their fee, but in this act, um, they're getting paid as well. And you know, wow. like Spotify pays 
people half a penny per stream and YouTube pays less than half that. Wow. That's yeah. You think about that. You think about how I think Drake and uh, Ed Sheridan were streamed over a billion times. So do the math on that as to how much money that actually is. Wow. It's not easy. You know, you've said this for a long time, even before the popularity of Spotify, uh, we had these conversations about how music seemed to be going in that online streaming direction. And you voiced your concern about uh, artists and engineers and producers being yeah. fairly, being worried and concerned that, that these people and these artists aren't going to get compensated as they should be because of the way, yeah. technolo- the, what technology is doing the music. Yeah, exactly. I mean, even when iTunes came about, if you think about how a, how a record contract is built, if you take half a penny, who's that going to go to first? That's going to go to the executives. That's not mm-hmm. going to go towards the artists. Who's really, I mean, who needs who? And especially in this day and age where everyone really should be independent. I can understand in some cases why some people aren't. Yeah. But if you're splitting that money with, um, with an executive, like you think of Maroon 5, there's six people. And they're very well streamed. Um, that song, Sugar, that was like mm-hmm. over a billion uh, views on YouTube. And you yeah. split less than half a penny between six people within the group and then the labels and et cetera. That's not a lot of money. And it's, it should be, that should be honestly a billion dollars alone. Wow. Or close. It should be something, not, not giving me a penny. I'm still just, I'm still hung up on the fact that I've never heard somebody say anything about, Hey, we'll, we're going to pay you half a penny. <laughs> right. Right. Per this. <laughs> and then there's people, there's people in sweatshops making more than that. Wow. You know, I mean, that's, it, it really is like, you think about it, it. It really does piss me off when people say, Oh, are you on Spotify? And I say, don't get my shit on Spotify. Or why not? Or why am I not supporting Spotify? It's exactly because of that. There's employees at Spotify that make more money than the artists that are being streamed. Does that make sense? Yeah. That does not. That does not make sense. That's not. That is not fair whatsoever. So for me, with this act being passed, I'll put my stuff, my next releases on Spotify and other streaming services because it's fair now. You know. Mm. I was just gonna. I just just was gonna uh, particularly put it on iTunes and Google Play and my website when that's when that's completed to uh, have people download from there. Um, but yeah, the streaming services. I'm, I'm glad that this is is made a turn. So um, artists, no matter whether you make good music or whack music, you're at least being paid right. Sure. You know. So for me, I think that's only fair. That is definitely only fair. Oh man, that's good news then. Yeah, yeah, it is good news. It is good news. Um, are you still in pursuit of school, or is that or is that put uh, a turn? <laughs> so, I thought I was going to be a lawyer, as you know. Yeah. yeah. Uh, took the LSAT. You know, sent out some uh, applications, got admitted, and then said no. <laughs> Just on a time, I just said, you know, uh, I, I, I don't think I want to do this anymore. And, um, you know, as we said earlier, 
you know, we know each other from the law firm that we both worked at. And I still happen to be at that, that firm, you know, years after you left. And I thought that was going to be my career path, but I just, I didn't like the energy. I didn't like the people I had to deal with. I, I didn't like the, seemed like the kind of attitude that you had to have to succeed in that profession. Uh, you know, yeah. and the and billing hours and especially and, and, the firm we worked at. Yeah, especially there. And, and you know, not all firms are created equal, of course, no, but, no. It, you know, it, it seems like it's a, it's a very churn and burn type process where you graduate from law school, you, you're an attorney, they make you bill 50 hours a week. If you're not billing up to 50 hours a week, like your counterparts, you could be on the chopping block. Yeah, I don't I don't want that kind of stress. That you is, know, there's, there's there's other things. So, I think what I'm doing now, a better avenue would be an MBA and organizational excellence, or something along those lines of human capital management. So, yeah. I, I'm I'm considering that, but at this point, it will definitely it will definitely be um, when my youngest is sleeping through the night, at least. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I got you. Um, I was uh, I was going to ask you this earlier. I was reading this article, and I understand you have personal feelings behind it. Um, it was uh, asking which is uh, more profitable or what should you do? Should you go for an MBA or getting your law degree? What's mm. your take on that besides your feelings of – your own personal feelings behind it, which you feel is more universal. Because your boy, Mark Cuban, actually said that uh, he doesn't like MBAs. Well, so, you know, there's different schools of thought here. Like, for, on the surface level, if you get your law degree, you're kind of pigeonholed into being an attorney. That was the feedback that a lot of attorneys that I worked with um, had mentioned. Like, hey, I've racked up a hundred grand in debt, yeah. and I have a law degree. There's really nothing else I can do with a law degree besides going to law. Mm-hmm. Uh, with the MBA, it's it's transferable in the mm-hmm. sense of like it's just considered kind of an extra degree. Yeah. So it's not necessarily – of course, there's a specialized version of MBAs and concentrations that you can go into with an MBA. But for the most part, people say, I have an MBA. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the most people don't ask the next question, which is, well, what – what is your MBA specialized in? But mm-hmm. to Mark Cuban's point, you know, a lot of colleges training you how to think. And so I'd like to know more context be- behind what he said, but that's a lot of what school is, is training you how to think. And depending upon your professors, it could be like the term I just used, pigeonholing, like, or it can be creative. Mm-hmm. Um, I know Amazon has a program now that they don't care if you have a college degree or not. And some of them are saying that, um, that they, there's some programs that they have. They, they don't want you to have a college degree because mm-hmm. whatever degree that you have is not going to transfer into the work that you're doing for them. So they like for you to come in and be able to mold you accordingly to how they see fit and how they'll see you working in their organization as opposed to trying to fit you into the organization based upon the credentials that you have. So I I think there's a lot going on with 
the cost of education going up, uh, you know, I have kids. Yeah. And so I'm, you know, people are telling me, hey, your kids, it's going to cost them $200,000 to go to college when they're ready. I'm like, wow. So I have to save up almost half a million dollars to send my kids to school. Right. That's what you're telling me. And so there's a lot of studies and a lot of people that are concerned about, well, what's this really worth here? And what can I do? And can I earn a comfortable living by not going to school and not racking up that kind of debt? You know, I've worked for a Canadian company and it is truly amazing to go up and, you know, talk to my peers and they don't have any college debt. Like it's not a thing. It's just not, you know, they got an education literally for free. Now, if they wanted a secondary uh, degree, like an MBA of some sort or a master's, sure, it'll cost them more money then, but they can still go to college for free. And they're not like, like in the States, you know, our millennials, they're not paying $1,000 a month to pay off some student loans. And they're able to live comfortably in a decent place and have a decent car and contribute to the economy. So it depends on what happens in the next 10 years. I know Oregon instituted a uh, free state college program where if your household makes under a certain amount, you can go to college for free. Uh, But I don't know, you know, education and health is kind of for-profit industries. So it'll, um, it'll be really interesting to see what shakes up over the next 10 years. Yeah, I think Mark Cuban was was saying from his experience is that he was pursuing his MBA and some of the things that he learned in his program, he had learned in undergrad. Mm, okay, so to that point, uh, I do have a cousin that went to that went and got his MBA in finance, and he told me that exact thing as well. Yeah, he see? said that they do like the first year or so, it's almost like a level set. Because there are a lot of people that, if, like, if you're getting your MBA in finance like he did, there might not be people that majored in finance in the undergrad. So they start from zero and pretty much start over. So on one hand, it's boring if you already know it. Mm-hmm. You know, you really aren't learning anything for the next year or so. Or it's just a refresher because they're having to update everyone else. Right. Um, so that, that's interesting. It's an interesting point. Yeah, and other articles I've read that there was these uh, executives that said that a lot of MBA student, students tend to be very textbook. I have two friends who have MBAs, and one is very textbook, and the other one is not. He he hmm. takes risk. He's very creative, and but he he knows his business. And one of the one of them is successful versus the other one. The other one is is a very smart dude, but he just has. I don't think he's quite figured out exactly what he really, really wants to do. I it's, see. Goes kind of back and forth with things. Um, I I don't know, but I just feel like he he is just so focused on, you know, the numbers and not taking a risk, taking that calculated risk. While the other one, he does acquire companies and he's successful, and that's it. Yeah. So I mean, take pick your poison. I feel like both would be an MBA or a JD would be profitable. I mean, you, you go obviously with lawyers, you have your a specialized law that you practice, but I think you can work anywhere because everyone's going to need some type of legal representation and make sure things are going right in any office. And with an MBA, I think it's about the same thing as well. You know 
business generally or a specialized subject. But um, yeah, the debt part of it that that is not a that, that's that's not cool. Yeah. Not that's, cool. That's, you you make a good point because uh, in some of the other corporations that I have in their legal department, they have it good. They'll never leave because they don't have to bill hours. They're essentially a consultant for the company mm-hmm. to make sure that all their legal matters and contracts are just buttoned up. Yeah. I think at that point, I mean, you can almost pick your damn salary. Yeah. Because they, they're going to, they're really going to need you. And it's not like, you know, your resume is going to be on top versus everybody else's. That's a great point. Yeah, and Will, I mean, even, I mean, even as uh, our boy Joel told me, uh, I'm sure you know this, that even if you don't take the bar exam in Texas and you pass law school, you graduate from it, you're still a lawyer. You just can't go to court. Really? Yeah. Yeah. No, I never knew that. Yeah, you can't, if you, if you can't just take your case to court, you can do whatever you want to do, but if it goes to court, you can't, you can't uh, go to court. You're an officer of the court, but if you don't have that bar license, you can't do it. Wow, that's deep. Mm-hmm. So, huh. that's what you can do. Wow, that's fascinating. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, good good luck, man. Definitely, you're you're definitely about your business and such, and you got a good business going for you. And whatever you decide to do from that point, um, I, I know it'll work for you. You got good you got good head on your shoulders, and you're very academic and such. So that that that's work. that's debatable. It depends on what time of day you talk to me. <laughs> <laughs> but I appreciate it. Yeah, no problem, no problem. Um, yeah, I got nothing else, man. Um, you got any other questions for me going on? Uh, not really, man. I mean, I guess we can talk. We have, you know, the other thing we definitely share is, uh, relationship advice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we'll save that one for another time. Cause we can okay. go another hour for that. That, 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 that will definitely be, <laughs> be an hour. I wish we still had the old text from those days. Cause Oh, man. Some, some very wild stories about just stuff and it's it's uh, <laughs> I, I don't know I I'm, I can't even, I mean I, that is going to have to be another episode ladies and gentlemen but folks that wraps up the very first episode of Record Broker um, you can catch me out on uh, SoundCloud again at SoundCloud forward slash Marv Kelly, K-E-L-L-E-Y, and anywhere on iTunes and any digital platform where music is sold. Uh, Wayne, what is your website for your furniture again? Yeah, that's AspenDesignsTX.com. All right. Everyone check that out. That's Halen from Texas. I'm sure he will cook you up something real nice with an island, something like that. It's very fine stuff. I need to get mine for my next crib and such. But next time, folks, I don't have an actual schedule as to when the podcast will be posted. But I'm lining up my guests, and we will see you next time. Y'all have a good and safe weekend. Go Cowboys. Go Chiefs. Go whoever you're rooting for. And uh, keep it light, folks. We'll tune in next time. Take care. Take care. Peace.